0: Neil Levesque, direct, director, of, uh, director of the Institute of Politics, at Anson College, back from travels afar. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Jack. I was hoping it wasn't going to be like that FedEx movie with uh, Tom Hanks on an island where I was going to have to send some folks to go find you with his uh, soccer ball.
1: Well, I think I kind of uh, sometimes hope that that happens and I end up on an island like that, but <laughs> I digress.
0: J-Dog, what was that movie when he, he played the FedEx pot, you know? Castaway. You, Castaway, yeah. He went down on the uh, summer mode. Uh, Wilson. Guild. Yeah, Wilson, Wilson was the ball. All right, Neil, I, you've been off a little bit. Seriously, welcome back, and welcome to uh, we're getting into that point in February, 11 days before South Carolina does the Republican primary there. But uh, I want to catch up with you. Did you? I don't know if you watched the big game uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, uh, Chiefs and Niners. Did you see the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. ad?
1: Definitely saw it, and I was definitely taken aback by it. Um, And he's creating a lot of buzz because of it, which I guess is you know part of having a super PAC run an ad like that is create the buzz and people talk about it, not just the thirty seconds that it's on. But certainly did that.
0: Yeah, J Dog, I'm getting some numbers. Uh, We got numbers yesterday afternoon. That the big, most televised event of all time. Uh, I guess it, I guess that was a little less than I thought, but certainly more than the last record. What was it 123 million viewers, J-Dog? Is that what I saw? Yep, 120, yeah. at least 120 million. So I think 123 million. All right, Neil, but what does this say? So that's his super PAC. That's Kennedy's super PAC spending $7 million. But what does it say about his seriousness to get on the ballot and uh, be a player in this?
1: I think he's been serious since day one, which, by the way, day one was at the Institute of Politics here in New Hampshire. He came. He was running as a Democrat at the time. Um, he's very serious about this, and, and there's a lot of money behind him. Um, it takes a lot of money to put an ad on, on the Super Bowl. Uh, and the question here is whether or not someone with the last name of Kennedy, but with someone who has sort of a libertarian streak and sort of different than the two two other candidates that uh, are the presumptive nominees uh, whether or not he's going to suck from the Democrats or from the Republicans. Because when you look at the polling, uh, it's straight down the middle. It's like a razor's edge. Half the voters are with Trump and half the voters are with Biden, give or take a month or two. And who takes the most? Who does Robert Kennedy take the most from? And early on, they've seemed like when he became an independent, that he was taking a lot from Trump. Um, but I think that with, with the idea here of the court cases, with people who are uh, disappointed that Haley is not the nominee, uh, with January 6th, and now with the Biden just
2: complete
1: disaster that happened last week, whether it was self-made or not, um, the, the questions about his age, which carried on to, into discussions as to who's going to replace him, all of this stuff—it's like a big snowball effect. And then you have Robert Kennedy with this ad and all the talk about him. So, you know, if you look at the overall optics of things, it's—it's it's a very—it's becoming an interesting race with him in it.
0: Well, and you mentioned last week the special counsel report on the probe into secret classified documents and the conclusion of the special counsel, and that. You know, as I said, you weren't on uh, with us at the end of the week. I said to uh, the audience on Friday, or the listeners, uh, "Hey, the good news, the White House uh, spin or media folks. The good news is it's Friday, of Super Bowl weekend, and Taylor Swift's going to be in the tents. The bad news is people are not going to forget last week. It kind of, it kind of, how do I say this? Neil, kind of verified what everyone already sees and knows. But the problem I see. With Joe Biden going forward is, I don't know if you caught the ceremonial welcoming of uh, King Abdullah of Jordan um, at the White House yesterday. He arrived for talks on how to end, you know, trying to get some plan in the Middle East. I don't know if you saw this, but everything that Joe Biden does now, everything he does, how he walks, how he talks, how he looks, how he looks down, there's going to be some side story. Did, did he know where he was? Did he space out? And this, this story about his memory, his cognitive capacity, is unfortunately or fortunately, he's just not going away. It's not going to just all of a sudden evaporate, evaporate, in my humble opinion.
1: Well, the voters reached this conclusion ahead of time, and 86% believe that he's too old to be president of the United States, and he's running for re-election against the person that all Democrats do not want to see, and a lot of independents don't want to see, return to the White House. So they have a particular problem. Right. So uh, they have someone they do not want to see return to the White House, meaning Trump. And they are putting up a candidate that uh, is not in the best shape to be in the campaign. Sorry. I know that there's a lot of people that are defending him at this point. Um, It's kind of hard to do it. It really is. I mean, you can the reason why Fox News puts the Biden Press conferences live on television is to just wait for you can see for yourself.
0: You, but you know the
1: Friday morning press conference about Israel was was Exhibit A, and so this is real trouble for Democrats. There's been a lot of editorials amongst the intelligentsia about how he could wiggle out of this, and there could be a different nominee. Of course, you can't just say, "Okay, now Harris well, is going to do
0: it," right? Because well, the he's other got thing-
1: worse numbers than anybody.
0: The, the other thing, you know, the Ovec Institute of Politics, San Ansel College, is the Democrats have a problem now um, because of the electability of Joe Biden. The only sale prior to this in the last run was he can beat Trump in the general election. He can beat Trump with independence. And right now, no one's so sure of that anymore because it's just so obvious that he's – he's you know, is like that original poll came out. I think it was an Associated Press. Too old, too too confused, and now it's too apparent. And it's it's actually – it's not even funny anymore. It's almost like – it's almost – I saw I saw um someone I was trying to think of it was yesterday said a good comment. It's almost it's almost getting like inhumane to watch. It's not funny anymore. Do you see you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like watching a relative or a loved one um not know their way off a stage. You know, uh you know, John Decker, our own White House correspondent, and he's down the middle. He calls the balls and strikes the way he sees them a few weeks ago when Biden was on the road to sell Bidenomics in the Midwest at that brewery and he appeared to be speaking another language no one knew what he was talking about and then he kind of ends like you know thank uh, Earthwalker for the Great Lakes and no one knew what he was talking about and John Decker says we're used to that covering him but the American people see it too so I can't think the Democrats this time around because he's four years older and it's four years or actually it seems like it's 10 years more noticeable are going to want to not have success in November 2024. I don't think they're going to want to kind of give up the White House. So we'll see what happens. And, and right now it just seems to me to be – it's ironic, Neil. The last few weeks, a lot of states like Colorado, state of Maine, we're talking about the 14th Amendment in terms of uh, anyone to participate or you know, entices an uh, insurrection can't be on the ballot. Uh, now I think you're going to start hearing more and more talk in Congress about the 25th Amendment.
1: I think you're going to as well, and I think that Democrats, rank and file Democrats, have uh, they can blame their party bosses who said, "No, nope, we're not going to have elections. We're not going to have the New Hampshire primary. We're just going to tell you who's going to be the nominee." Now you have the nominee. Yep. Now we know where he's at, and there's no getting out of this hole. I don't think.
0: All right, Neil Vec. I'm glad you um, got uh, got on the barge and got off that island. I appreciate it. Uh, Executive Director, Institute of Politics, Saint Anselm College. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. White House correspondent John Decker will have has the story right now. Joins us live. Good morning, John.
3: Hey, Jack. How are you? It's a redo uh, for the House of Representatives. As you know, they failed to properly count the votes uh, as it relates to the first impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, they believe they have the votes for this second round. Uh, one reason is because they will have uh, back with them voting on the House floor the second number two uh, ranking Republican in the House, Steve Scalise, voting on. This particular measure uh, that believe they believe will uh, provide them enough votes to impeach Secretary Mayorkas. but of course we know this is a political exercise. they do not yeah. have enough votes in the Senate to convict and remove Secretary Mayorkas from serving as the Secretary of Homeland security
0: and it puts like a you know, uh, an accelerant or a fl- you know a flame agent on the finger pointing because the Democrats can say, "Hey, the Republicans." They won't even pass a bill to deal with the border, and they want to impeach Mayorkas for not doing enough to, you know, to control the border. You know? So it's just this finger-pointing exercise stuff.
3: Well, it's an exercise. Uh, we know what the outcome is going to be. Right. Uh, you need 67 votes to convict and remove an individual in the impeachment process. Democrats uh, control the Senate. They have 51 votes, so you're not going to get anywhere near 67. So we know at the end of this entire process, Uh, Even if he's impeached in the House, he will be acquitted in the Senate, and Secretary Mayorkas will continue serving as the Secretary of Homeland Security.
0: But it plays well to that Republican House base or that Trump base, as they say. John, before I let you go, White House correspondent John Decker, you know, you're on the road at times covering the White House and the president. Really, last week, nothing new happened except the release of that special counsel report that put in black and white kind of his observations of the president so it's sort of now raised, you know, awareness or alertness uh, from everyone, whether the president, and first lady are welcoming, uh, you know, the king and uh, first lady from Jordan, uh, you know, how right. he walks, how he talks, how he stands. Sure. And how do you think since last week, does the White House have a handle on this? Are they trying to figure it out? I also noticed the appointment or promotion of Kirby Inside the White House, National Security Advisor, Admiral Kirby, has a great media background, public affairs. He's a great spokesperson. Are they going to turn up the heat to make him more visible in the Middle East and foreign policy? But do they have a handle on this, or do they internally, are you hearing that they're concerned now that this will be a defensive issue going forward that might get worse, or do they feel this will blow over?
3: Well, you know, the president often says, Jack, watch me, you know, in regards to questions about his mental fitness, and we're doing just that. You, me, um, I watch him every day. I'm feet away from him and watching him. And uh, he really does need to go out there, uh, campaign, meet with uh, voters. Also, I think he needs to do more with the press. You know, missed opportunity in terms of doing an interview with CBS uh, during the Super Bowl, the most watched event in american history 123.4 million dollars Wow, that's a missed opportunity it's free free media you'll never get an audience like that again at least during this election
0: cycle but john real final point because i remember interviewing i've interviewed joe biden several times over the years but once in the run-up to 2020 but that was four years ago if he does more with the press and he forces a little bit at times he gets agitated he seems very frustrated if anyone asks him a question and i know trump's like that too believe me i look at i watch it for four sure. years when he'd call cnn a fake oh, yeah. network fake news fake oh, sure. you. you're a fake reporter but it's hard for joe biden to handle these questions because he, he doesn't come across very comfortable with them well he
3: doesn't he bristles uh, at yeah. questions that uh make him uncomfortable or he doesn't like answering uh you know I, I understand that to a certain extent but you know you have to get past that you have to get yeah. past that and be able to uh, handle all kinds of questions that are thrown to you by the press corps on a regular basis
0: john decker thanks for the extended time talking about the house and possibly you think that vote will happen today on the uh, mayorkas matter
3: uh, if they have the votes it certainly will uh yeah. and they believe they have the votes now that Steve Scalise is back uh and will be voting on incredible. the house floor today
0: all right, John, make it a good Tuesday. You too. Thanks so much. Matthew Bartlett, Darby Field Advisors, weighing in on the kind of the craziness of Washington these days, even among the Republicans in the House, the Senate, Democrats, you name it. It is crazy. It is your home turf. I don't know how you do it, Matthew.
4: Well, first of all, New Hampshire is always home. This Sin City, uh, I think you had it right. It is crazy. It has always been crazy. It is going to continue to be crazy. Um, and today we've got one heck of a crazy day. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, um, Senate Republicans worked with um, Homeland Security um, Secretary Mayorkas to craft a border bill. And today, House Republicans will once again impeach him uh, for failing to do his job. Uh, It's topsy-turvy. The Senate is on the cusp of, like, passing a $95 billion um, bill that will give money to Ukraine, to Taiwan, Um, and to israel and and i'm not even sure that the house will even pick it up um you know we're we're talking about um divisions within the republican party huge divisions between the house the senate um and then you have the president as well so again i you know it's an election year i am not expecting anything i am hoping that they will you know pass a, a a budget a cr come march keep the lights on Um, And then we'll see what happens. But, you know, Jack, uh, full disclosure, I was a Trump, Donald Trump appointee at the State Department. Um, So, you know, incredibly proud of the work I've done and and like to be fair. Um, You know, we talk about Putin invading Ukraine. Yeah, we had four years that did not happen under President Trump. But you just talked about spending and cutting. Let me tell you, Donald Trump is one of the biggest spenders in history. Um, make no mistake, and, and, and I give great credit to Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis for even pointing it out. He had the House, he had the Senate, he was the president, and what did he do? He spent like a drunken sailor. Um, so, yeah, there's hypocrisy all over the place. Welcome to D.C.
0: And you know, Matt, what happens is... People talk about cutting spending in Washington, but when the presidents get in there, both parties, they don't seem to give a damn about the debt. They don't seem to give a damn about spending. It's just don't worry about it. It's like we can figure it out. We can just keep borrowing, keep printing, keep borrowing, keep printing, and don't worry about the – my worry is, you know, the pizza pie. I've always been kind of that kind of logical – look at a large pepperoni pizza, cheese pizza, the pizza slices – and you know you want you want a good amount going to GDP of that pizza, and you want yep. you know you understand you're going to have social programs and social security and aging population, defense and other things, but you don't want you don't want half the pizza to be just servicing the debt. You don't want half that pizza of every you dollar. It. You know you just can't. And, and imagine a household. Just hey, forget Washington for a minute. Imagine the Bartlett household, the not saying it's your household. You're yep. sitting. You're sitting there with your. Your better half, and you're looking at a total number coming in, and you know, but seventy percent of what you're you're making is going out to pay your credit card debt. That's that. I mean, that feels like what we're running Washington on.
4: Hundred percent. That's why you know I love New Hampshire, and, and listen, that's why I'm in part a a, a conservative, a Republican. Um, it ain't you know because of RRD It's because of the math. Um, and listen, give uh, great credit to, to Chairman Powell. He's been raising interest rates. What does that do? Well, that raises the, the interest rates on our debt. And he just warned the other day about uh, you know the crushing U.S. debt here. Um, you know, where is the driver of our debt? It is the baby boom generation yeah. retiring. God bless them. They okay. saved the world.
0: Okay, you there? Hey. Yeah, I, I am right here. All right, all right. Uh, no, keep going, Matthew.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when they created some of these programs, there were like, you know, thirteen workers per retiree. Now we're down to like two. Um, so it is Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all different varying degrees, but those are the biggest drivers of the debt. It is not even the discretionary spending. It is the non-discretionary spending. You know, that's Paul Ryan who wanted to address right, right. some of these issues. This is why I became um, a conservative. You're looking at those numbers. It's the math. And what will Donald Trump say? You're not touching those programs. Anyone. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Very, very tough. Well, so it's hard. Nick it's hard on the- that.
0: But the hard thing, Matthew Barrett with Derby Field Advisors, it's hard to make the average American understand that that $34.2 trillion debt is going to cost them. People don't think about that because we only think of our own lives, but they don't realize that there's a price on our heads because of that. And yet the politicians in Washington don't give a damn. The final thing I have to ask before I let you go, because uh, we had a pretty big football game and people may have forgotten about it. But John Decker, our own White House correspondent, talked about this a moment ago, is you had uh, President Biden and the First Lady greet King Abdullah, the King of Jordan, and his entourage yesterday. White House wants to move on and forget nothing to see here about the president's memory of age. But I don't yeah. think they have a handle on this because now I think it's becoming uh, it's almost more of an issue now because of last week, even though we see it every day. Would you agree or not?
4: I mean, I mean. Listen, I was down here last Thursday uh, with Vicar Mantramani next to me. I think even uh, a House Chairman was at our table at the cigar table. Um, this town was rocked by the her report. Wait, wait a minute! They, wait a minute. Do
0: They have cigar bars in Washington? Oh boy! They, they, they don't want us smoke, but they have cigar bars in Washington. <laughs>
4: From (laughs) New Hampshire to D.C., it's where you'll find me. Um, Yeah, rocked, rocked. Whether it's fair or not is unclear. Whether it should have made the comments, but it plays into the notion of what everybody's been thinking of this guy might be a little too old. Here's where I differ with you, though. There is no they. No one is going to step in and say, you know, you can't take the keys away from an 80 year old. Try to take the presidency. Joe Biden believes he is the only one that can beat Donald Trump. He did it in 2020. Uh Harris will not step aside. She will absolutely not step aside right. um there are no the, you know overrated options um and they I, think I, that abortion and democracy are their silver bullets in this election and who I, knows they could be right you know
0: well they could be right on one of those because you know you start talking about abortion bans abortion rights that's one thing the democrats are real but real quickly matt i agree there's no they but the only thing they might not be able to control is if it gets so bad his own cabinet his own joint chiefs might have to come out and say hey you know what we got a problem All right, we're going to let you go. Next time, I want to hear if you think Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Super Bowl ad or not, is going to cut into this thing as an independent. Matthew Bartlett, Darby Field Advisors. Thank you, Matthew. Stay warm. Bye. Aaron Real, we're talking, speaking of retirement, AI may put, artificial intelligence may put some people prematurely into retirement. Take it away, Aaron.
5: Oh, sure. Yes, particularly if you're in the white-collar sector. We're seeing the layoffs grow just since last May. Companies have attributed more than 4,600 job cuts directly to AI. They've been in all sectors, but particularly in media, in tech, but law, real estate, logistic management, finance, the list goes on and on. And the reason, Jack, is because unlike previous waves of automation technology, AI has the power to both create the content and then synthesize the ideas. So that it, it's the kind of knowledge work that millions of people now do behind computers that can be done without them.
0: And I don't think the average person who's so busy has really calculated what this means yet, do you?
5: No, not at all. And I think if you're sitting there or listening to this and you're saying, oh, this, okay, yeah, but this doesn't really affect me, then all I can say is, bless your heart. It affects me, it affects you, it affects all of us. (laughs) And I I think what is definitely going to come forth first are the entry-level white-collar jobs, and then those entry-level work is going to soon look more like, First level management roles because the duties will be automated away very quickly. That's going to flatten middle management yeah. and then uh, upper management is okay. I actually was speaking to a CEO of a major bank in Latin America, and this just is I tell this story quickly because it's a perfect example. And he said to me, because of AI, he said that essentially he doesn't need to hire any more people ever. And he's like, I'm not cutting people. We're, we did very well this year. I, I don't need layoffs. He's like, I don't need anyone. I don't need more people. And he's like, and I don't see a situation where I will ever need more people than I have right now. And that kind of just illustrates that there will still be jobs. Just the need for as many people will be far less.
0: And it's going to change. I mean, I've talked to law, senior law partners that are calculating paralegal cuts because, yeah, of, you know, sure. just research, yeah. uh, commercial real estate, research of deeds, research a property, research of tax stuff, you can scrub it through AI and uh, versus a six-figure paralegal. No disrespect to paralegals. Aaron Real, NBC News, Radio National Correspondent. Thank you. Thanks. Rory O'Neill, NBC News, Radio National Correspondent, talking about that Senate vote. Good morning, Rory.
6: Hey, good morning, Jack. Yeah, we did get that
0: $95 billion
6: through the Senate with 70 senators, a bipartisan group going forward. But does it stand a chance of going anywhere in the House? It seems unlikely. Not impossible, but certainly unlikely.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, you have the House. Uh, We had John Decker, your colleague on earlier, set to do another impeachment vote or try with Mayorkas or an impeachment vote, and we'll see where that goes. But, Roy, you did have – I'm not going to make you go through it, but you did have a good one teed up on uh, the most educated or, I guess, whenever you do that, you could do a least educated state. Do Do we have any glimpses of that? They Absolutely. surprises
6: i can go into full detail on that one and the northeast does pretty well in this wallet hub study yeah i know we all hate massachusetts but uh, they came in at the top of the list uh number one for both the rank of the number of people in that state with either a high school college degree or beyond uh also number one in the quality of education i think you'll appreciate this number five was colorado number five but they were ranked second when it came to the number of people with higher education degrees, number two. But they were 34th in the quality of education, suggesting that people from across the country with degrees are migrating to Colorado, not that their internal education system is creating these well-educated people. So there's an interesting migration story there, and it's the reverse in Florida. They have fewer people with degrees but of Number two, for the quality of education, so either they're not going beyond high school or when they get that degree from Florida and Florida State, they're off to work in Colorado.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go out to Colorado. It's a good place to visit and get out gets outside of Denver and do some skiing. But all right, Rory O'Neill, MSU News Radio, interesting uh, take this morning. Thank you, Rory.
6: Thanks, Jack. New Hampshire, number eight, by the way.
0: Number eight in terms of what? Yep. Most are best educated?
6: Yes, best was number yeah. New, Massachusetts one, New Hampshire eight, West Virginia the five zero.
0: And of course, that's done from people with a degree as well as the quality of education within the state. It's kind of a melding. Correct. Okay. Thank you, Rory. Thanks,
2: Jack. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire.
0: You know, one of the. Um, If we get away from Washington and the national stuff for a moment, wouldn't that be nice? One of the top issues really affecting our economy here at home is affordable housing. And it's much more of a crisis than people realize at all levels in almost all communities. And Tom Furtado with Catch uh, is one of the few groups, in my opinion, that are doing something about it. been doing it a while and leading the way. Tom, we have an update, and maybe you can share with people what you're doing differently, uh, and it's working. Because I think you're, getting, you're creating provide, you know, affordable housing for people based on their income or if it's a couple, for example. So take it away, Tom, with an update.
2: Uh, good morning, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Um, yes, affordable housing continues to be an issue, housing at all price levels, And what we're doing at Catch is we utilize the Low Income Housing Tax Credit Program, which was actually formed in uh, the 1986 tax code, but really didn't take any, get any legs till the mid-'90s. And in my opinion, that is really one of the only ways that you can build affordable housing because after you build it, your rent revenue is capped yet your operating and your construction costs are not capped so uh, the tax credit program is vital to building affordable housing.
0: you know one thing I never I'm not sure we've asked Tom since we've had on and tell us the website is what was what kind of get you into this originally
2: okay well, first of all um our website is catchhousing.org, and we invite everybody to go visit it. Uh, it'll tell you about affordable housing. It'll tell you about apartments that we have available. And uh, it will also tell you about our annual event, which coming is coming up on Friday, March 8th. Um, what got Catch into it? Back in 1989, some community leaders got together and said, we have a affordable housing problem on our hands. And uh, they had the foresight of, starting Catch Housing and really building an organization that has been doing it for 30-plus years. And uh, we're pretty proud of that fact, and we continue to grow and expand.
0: Now, what, well, I don't want to gloss over the event coming up. Tell us about the event, Tom. Okay, so annually we have a
2: fundraising event and an awards night, and it's really a fun social night out for people. And it's on Friday, March 8th, and we're having it at the barn at Bull Meadow in Concord, and uh, please go to our website and join us.
0: Now the last time you were on, I had a um, developer you may be listening now, James in Rochester, saying that he had some apartment, you know some apartments wanting to learn more. But you're, you're pretty much is, it, is catchhousing.org is pretty much still in the capital region? or are you expanding?
2: We are expanding, but primarily we develop in the Merrimack County area. But we do have sister organizations throughout the state, and we're able to handle every portion of the state of New Hampshire uh, and Maine, actually, through an organization either with Catch or a like organization.
0: Do you? Do you? Um, how does it work, Tom? If someone is a builder, property owner, they want to kind of learn more. Do you? Do you welcome that? Do you recommend they start their own thing in that region? What, what's your thoughts on that?
2: No, we are, uh, if there's a property owner or a developer looking to develop affordable housing, contact us. We can we can either do it for you, with you, or help you out doing it yourself. Really, Jack, the goal is to build more right. affordable housing through the state.
0: Now, you've been doing it a while, but my sense, Rockingham County, Hillsborough County, we have a real affordable housing and affordable rent crisis because there are so many people that just can't can't afford. I'm hearing more and more. Um, kids that's, that had left school, I mean, you know, graduated, they're out there working, had to move back in with mom and dad because the rent where they're, where they're working is just so high, the economics weren't working. And so rent is high, housing costs. I mean, Rockingham County, the average home for a new home is closer to a $1 million and $500,000. So we have a real problem in some counties in New Hampshire. In the Lakes region, probably no better. I bet you in Moultonboro, Guilford, Wolfboro, I bet you a home that goes in the market doesn't even have to have water views that's in good shape with a half acre or an acre is going to be closer to a million bucks in 500000 So it's not just our most populated areas. We, in North Country, you know, ski homes that used to be, you know, $180,000, $200,000 are now 800000 So there's a real affordable housing crisis and a condominium crisis, it seems to me, across the region.
2: You're absolutely right, and that's why we need housing of all levels, right? Uh, a lot of $800,000, $900 million homes are being built. And a lot of the reasoning for that is with construction, land and construction costs being so high, it's difficult for a developer to build a house that they're going to sell for $400,000. The land and fixed costs are just so high, they can't do it. So that's why all the houses are uh, in that eight $900,000 range.
0: Yeah, I don't mean to pick on Portsmouth, but a very good developer, builder, I know. He said it used to be, for a lot of years, you could, if you chose well, went through the proper, you know, whether it was historic or zoning, got everything approved, you could actually make a little bit of money. Now it's almost impossible to profit any money building in some of these communities, to your point.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, And the the problems throughout the state and and throughout the country, actually, uh, but you're right, the seacoast, the Portsmouth area... They're really hit hard, and that's why I think the uh, community and business leaders need to step forward and really lobby for the development of affordable housing because that's their workforce. And without them lobbying for it and really helping out at the municipal level when an affordable housing developer is going to get approvals to build it, uh, you can have people in support of that particular development.
0: Yeah, because you just touched upon Tom Furtado with Catch Housing, Merrimack County. But beyond, if you're a home builder, developer, contact them. Contact Tom, and they'll work with you. But, Tom, you just hit the nail on the head. I brought up Wolfboro. I don't know why. But, of course, we're on a station up there. But um, Wolfboro may be better known in the summer for uh, tourism, but they have a nice nice, – you know, they have some schools in town. I think it's Kingswood, j Dogs, Is Kingswood Regional? They, you know, they have some nice hospitals. They have a nice area if you want to live and work in Wolfboro. So I imagine they want police officers to work there, firefighters, EMTs, nurses, teachers. But if these people can't afford to rent or live in the community they're serving, that doesn't really help the residents as much if someone has to live an hour away and they don't get to know anything about the area they live in because they can't afford to live there.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, and um, the Lakes region has become much more of a year-round place to live than it was, say, 20 years ago when it was pretty much a vacation spot.
0: Right, yeah. All right, Tom, so the open house one more time, coming up.
2: Yeah, our uh, annual awards night, it's Friday, March 8th at uh, the Barn at Bull Meadow. I apologize, Barn at Bull Meadow in Concord. And uh, go to catchhousing.org and you can learn more about that event.
0: And if people want to touch, they can touch base with you. If they're a home builder, they have some properties, they want to learn more, reach out to you.
2: Absolutely, right through the website.
0: All right, Tom, make it a good one. Thank you. Affordable housing. We're going to talk more about it in the days and weeks to come. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thank you, Jack.